kind of a tough topic. Nobody really wants to talk about death. It's not necessarily the greatest subject uh, at dinner time. Hey, by the way, uh, we're all dying. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> um, I want to. I've got a quote I want to put on the screen for you, and uh, it's a multiple choice uh, quote. Hopefully, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not afraid to die. That's it. I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> did uh, is that a Shakespearean statement or George Carlin? Did he say that or Woody Allen? Carlin. How many say Carlin? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. How many say Shakespeare? <laughs> how many say Woody Allen? One? Okay. Well, here's Shakespeare. Well, it doesn't really sound like him, does it? George Carlin, he would say something like that, but that isn't what he said. Here's what he said about death. Death is caused by swallowing small amounts of saliva over long periods of time. That's what George Carlin said. (laughs) Sounds more like George Carlin, doesn't it? Actually, it's attributed to Woody Allen. Woody Allen made that statement. I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. And, you know, a lot of times we're, we're that way too, aren't we? You ever contemplated how you're going to die, when you're going to die? I think they've got things on the Internet now that you can go through and do a little survey and it'll tell you exactly when and where you're going to die. Do you want to know? Man, then you'd worry all the time whether that's happening. I like God's plan. We just don't need to know. Just be ready to go. Don't need to know, be ready to go. There's our new phrase. One thing I do know is that death is inevitable. How many of you say amen? That's good, because it's coming whether you want it or not. It's going to happen. And... uh I'm hoping today to give you some principles to help you prepare more for when that may happen in your life. The Bible talks not only about others dying, but about your own death. There is plenty of scripture to help us with that. But I want to kind of focus on the part about others dying, because that's for most of us, that's going to be the first experience with death is the death of someone else. Could be a loved one, could be even a pet. You know, we lost our dog some months ago and you know, they grow on you, don't they? And so I told Cindy, I said, I want another one, but I want a little bitty one that'll sleep on my chest. Well, we have a little bitty one. She's eight pounds and eight ounces. I took her to Enid with me yesterday. I wasn't sure how she'd go. I put her little bed in between the two front two seats. She slept all the way over there and slept all the way back. I thought, what a life. And then just before I got home, I hit the brakes and threw her in the back. <laughs> I couldn't find her anymore. So anyway, it was uh, one of those things. <laughs> so I want us to learn some principles to help us have an unshakable faith when we might face death. Let's start by looking at our opening verse there in your outline. First Thessalonians 
In this passage, Paul is trying to bring comfort to the people of Thessalonica. And uh, they have lost someone near and dear to them. And so he's trying to comfort them. And I want us to read this verse together. Uh, ready? And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the person who has died so that you will not be full of sorrow like some people who have no hope. Would you circle the phrase, full of sorrow? That's in the last line. Full of sorrow. Now in the English, that's a little bit hard to to interpret. Because the Greek word that's translated full of sorrow is really a tough word to get meaning of. The Bible is very clear that there are stages of mourning and we need to embrace those stages. We're going to look at them in just a few minutes. But it's not saying that we're supposed to go to a funeral and not weep. What it is trying to imply is that we shouldn't have an inordinate amount of sorrow. When my father died, his one of his sisters came to the funeral. I didn't know who she was. I never had met her. But she sat in the back of the funeral and wailed the whole time. You know what I mean by wailing? That's it. Yes, she was a whale. No, she she boo-hooed all the time. And then she would have outbursts. Oh my God, I'm going to miss him. Out loud. And I kept thinking, who is this crazy woman in the back? Only to find out it was my aunt that I'd never met. So this is what God wants us to understand. It's not that we can feel sorrow at a funeral and shed a tear at a funeral, but it shouldn't be inordinate. It shouldn't be overblown or over uh, excessive. Okay? Because I don't know about you, but when I go to a funeral, I, I grieve. Even if I don't know the person, I still have a tendency to grieve at that funeral. Because I know the hurt of the loved ones. I've been there, and so I know how they feel. Especially if it's somebody that's not saved, it's really tough on you. Let's take a look at that next verse that's listed for you. 2 Corinthians 5.1 For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, so that implies that it's going to happen, We will have a home in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God Himself and not by human hands. So in one aspect, God is saying we're all going to die. But in the next aspect, He's saying, if you're in me, guess what? I've got you covered. I've got you covered. And you don't die, die. You just simply pass through to the other side. Ken Rhodes used to use this phrase all the time. Die once, excuse me, born once to die twice, or born twice to die once. Isn't that a great thought process? Because if you're in Christ, you have hope. But before we look at the principles of how we face death with unshakable, with an unshakable faith, I want you to think back in your mind to the first time that death became a reality to you. Could have been a loved one. You could have been real small, and most of us probably were. Could be a pet. 
you know, people say, well, pets aren't people. <laughs> well, <laughs> they get that way. They grow on you. You know, cats, I'm not really sure about, but, but dogs, you know, cat, cats are people too. So yeah. <laughs> I, they're in there close to snakes, I think cats are. I, I should probably be careful. I've probably got some cat lovers here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I see, I see the guns coming out. Put them back up. Okay. It's all right. <laughs> Let's jump right in. How do we face death with an unshakable faith? Number one, turn immediately to God. Number one is turn immediately to God. James 4.8 says it this way. Draw close to God and God will do what? Draw close to you. So God wants to draw close to you. And if we choose to draw close to Him, He will come. Now what's interesting about that verse is that we're doing the action first. See, God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But He expects us to take a step toward Him. Very important. Uh, Aaron and Kathy and uh, Tyler and April, they, they went on vacation together, which is uh, an interesting thing to do. And they're still, they, they appear to still be friends after riding that far in one vehicle. But boy, the pictures they sent back—they all went to the Ni- went to Niagara Falls. I- I've never personally seen it, but boy, I'll tell you, the pictures—that that, is—that has to be one of the most immense, overwhelming sights to see that volume of water coming over the the falls, and how beautiful it must be to see that. Uh, on the Canadian side, they have zip lines. They were showing that. The zip lines would just run right down beside the falls. And that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Have one that diverts over and runs through the fall and then back around over there. That'd be fun. Yeah, because nobody'd be on the harness after you went through the fall, right? But we've all struggled through the years, Christians especially have struggled through the years of of coming to God first and drawing close to God. Uh, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorites of the faith. Uh, he was a pastor of the Metropol- Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle in London uh, in the 1800s. Very large church, at that time largest church in the world. And on October 19th, 1866, he had to face death in a very odd circumstance. One that really shook his faith for the rest of his life. He was preaching one night. 10,000 people in attendance. And the problem that he faced was the arena of which he was speaking in was too small to hold that many people. And someone yelled fire. And of course, chaos followed. Hundreds of people were injured. Seven people died that night while he was preaching. And if you read Spurgeon's writings the rest of his life, That haunted him, that seven people died the night that he was teaching and preaching from the Word of God. And he questioned God. That he had a lot of issues and he just couldn't quite figure it out. But he did what this verse says, and he drew close to God. And in return, God drew close to him. And fortunately for us, 
Here's what Spurgeon said about death. God is too wise to be mistaken, and God is too good to be unkind. But now listen to this. When you can't trace his hand, you can always trust his heart. When you lose someone close to you, if you try to trace the hand of God in that circumstance, you're left troubled and bearing a load that God never intended for you to bear. When you try to figure out, all right, why did this happen? Why did it, why, why now? Why this person? It'll, it'll drive you mad. A friend used to say to me, when you can answer the question why, he said, you're able to get past the tragedy. That's, that's powerful, isn't it? When you can answer the question why and be okay with what you hear, then you're going to be okay. Your head spins. Nothing seems to make sense. But if you choose to draw close to God and trust the heart of God, acknowledge that God is good, He'll draw close to you and become a source of comfort like you've never experienced before. Because God is kind and God is good all the time. And all the time He's good. Psalm 23 is a passage of Scripture that's used a lot as a source of encouragement in funerals especially. You hear it read all the time at funerals. And in your outline we have it there and it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Would you underline the phrase, you are with me? You are with me. God says, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. I'm not lifting you up uh, to heaven and I'm not getting you ready to go to heaven and simply say, man, I hope you make it. <laughs> He's telling us we will make it. He is with us every step of the way. And then he brings comfort when he says, your rod and your staff will comfort me. In other words, I'm God saying, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be there with you as we go through the, the shadow of the valley of death. And I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to protect you through that time. So see, when you die, you're not alone. The Bible describes the angels come. Isn't that a great picture? The angels come and carry you away to the bosom of Abraham. If you read Luke 16, you see that picture. It says the angels came and carried Lazarus to the bosom of Abraham. It says the rich man died and was buried. There it is. If you're outside of Christ, you got no hope. <laughs> you got no hope. But if you can draw close to God first, and listen, drawing close to Him immediately is, cr- is critical. It's key. Because then that process of healing can begin so much faster. Which leads me to the second step in facing death with an unshakable faith. It's give yourself permission to mourn. So many people want to be tough and they don't want anybody to see them cry. Men are this way, right? Men are just so tough, well, I just can't cry, I just don't cry, I'm just, I'm a man, I don't cry. Well, you need to cry. You need to sit down and cry a little bit. It won't hurt you at all. In fact, it'll be good for you. If nothing else, it'll clean out the ducks in your eyes. You'll get the dust out of your eyeballs if you just cry a little bit. But isn't it funny how men are? 
He'll say, are you crying? No, no, just something in my eye here, something in my eye. Yeah, something in my eye. Yeah, it's called tears. Let it run, man. Let it run. I often thought, what would happen if I lost my one of my children or one of my grandchildren? Children are really fun, but grandchildren, hey, they're what keep old people alive. Or if you babysit them a lot, they're going to send you to an early grave, that's for sure. Cindy flew out down to Houston to see our granddaughter, and I, I just had a thought pass through my mind. You know, what if she didn't make it? What would I do? What would we all do? I asked my grandsons, I said, are you ready to go to my house? And they said, nope, Gigi. That's all I get is Gigi. I said, no, Gampa, Gigi. I said, no, say Gampa. No, Gigi. I said, hey. Don't bite the hand that feeds you, right? Psalm 119.28 says, I weep with grief. You see, mourning is something that we all will do and should do. And it's okay. It's okay. And everyone mourns differently. Some people don't cry, at least in public. Or around others. But I encourage men especially. Hey look if you don't want to do this in front of people. At least you know, get to your private spot. And have some time with God. And if you need to weep. Go ahead and weep. It's okay. It doesn't make minimize you as a man. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Published a book back in 1969. Called On Death and Dying. And she listed. The stages of uh, of death. I've got them there in your uh, handout. The first one is denial. Some of us don't even, ever want to acknowledge that this happens, but uh, it, it does. It does happen. We deny, deny, deny. And when we do that, it leads very easily into the next stage, which is anger. It's very easy to get Angry, especially at God, for taking a loved one. Especially when a child dies. You wonder where God is. Which leads us to the next stage, which is bargaining. Now, bargaining is where we are tempted to exchange the pain for any uh, solution so that it, that pain will go away. And that's why so many people, when they suffer... Through grief, turn to substance abuse. We just opened a Pandora's box in Oklahoma. State question 788. I understand the benefit of medical marijuana. I do. But the law that we just passed was not written in the right way. It's like when the casinos came in. They said, oh, we're not bringing gaming machines. After all, it's extra money for the kids for education. Ask all of our teachers here today, how many of you have gotten that raise they promised you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Then it leads to depression. The next phase or next step is depression. And then the final stage is acceptance. And really, for most people, they work through those stages just like that. You know, you get that call that says, hey, so-and-so passed away. No, no, no. Denial. 
And then you kind of work your way down through. And then you finally do get to where you can accept it. And a lot of people say, well, it's time to move on. Get over it. You know, sometimes you never, ever get over it. Yeah, you begin to put one foot in front of the other again. But for everybody, that's different. But understand that God understands. How do I know God understands? Because he had to sit and watch his son die on the cross and be buried in a tomb. But here's the greatest gift that he gave us. He rose him from the dead. (laughs) And so if he can do it for Jesus, guess what? He can do it for you. He can put wings on you and you're going to fly to heaven. Now, I'm going to have a pretty good size set of wings. I ain't kidding. The aerodynamic nature of these wings, boy, they're going to be, have to be some working wings. But won't it be fun? Won't it be fun? Some of you, it's going to be a while. But your wings are so small, you know, God may not get you off the ground. No, He'll get you off the ground. You ever hear the story about the guy that uh, him and his buddy, they both died at the same time and they're going to heaven. And they got pretty close and the friend got a little tired, so, uh, I'll be the, I'll be one of the friends. So I'm the friend that, you know, he's getting tired. So I said, well, hey, just jump on my back, man. I'll, I'll carry you on up to the pearly gates. And I get up to the pearly gates. We do. And he gets off my back and Peter says, wow, so good to see you. So good to see you. Hey, why don't you tie up your donkey over there and come on in? So, you know. No one. I knew it was going to hit you at some point. No one can comfort you like God himself. Dwight Rigard. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. R I E. G-H-A-R-D. I have the, I have his book there in your, in the outline. He wrote a book called Treasure from the Dark. He's a pastor. He lost his wife and child during childbirth. And God allowed him to move through the stages that we mentioned. And he wrote a book to help others move through those stages as well. So I'd encourage you, if you're struggling or know somebody that is, you might get a copy of that book for him. Give it to him as a gift. Here's the words of Jesus. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God says, draw close to me. God says, it's okay to mourn. But then God also says, be sure that you don't do this on your own. Which takes us to number three. Admit that I need support from others. So so often people believe that they are self-contained. They don't need anybody else. You're wrong. You're wrong. You do. You need somebody else. If you try to move through these phases and stages on your own, it probably won't go very well. Get somebody to help you, somebody you trust. Uh, in your notes, I've taken a passage out of Exodus 17, speaking of Moses. In verse 12, it says, Moses' arms finally became too tired to hold up the staff any longer, so Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on, And then they stood on each side holding up his hands until sunset. And you know the story. 
As long as Moses' arms were up, the, the, the children of Israel were winning the war. And God told him, He says, but whenever your arms go down, they will lose. So Aaron and Hur saw because he got tired of holding his arms up with that staff. So they came and then they propped him up. And as long as his arms were up and that staff in the air, the children of Israel were winning the war. They helped God sustain victory through Moses. Guess what? You'll be able to overcome when those friends can come alongside and keep you lifted up. Galatians 6.2 tells us in the New Testament that we're supposed to do this. It says, share each other's troubles and problems and in this way obey the law of Christ. Number four, on the back side of your notes, use the opportunity to share Jesus. Just as we go through those stages of grief, we, we also can lean on the others to support us and we draw close to God. We shouldn't be afraid to talk about our faith at a time of death. It's so important that if a person's getting ready to die, that you share with them and ask them, where are they with God? It's really important. Because it may be the eleventh and a half hour for for them, and they need to know, and you need to know, that they are in the Lord or they're with the Lord. And if they're not, there's a chance they could be. But if you never say anything... They may die, never make it to heaven because you didn't take the time to say something to them. Say something to them. Oh, preacher, I don't know what to do. Oh, I'd be uncomfortable. Quit being uncomfortable. This is the time you pray for boldness. And I'm not going, I'm not saying going in there with a 35 pound Bible and throw it on them. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that you can sit down and take their hand and say, hey, I want to ask you one question. How are you and Jesus doing? They'll know what that means because they're facing death. They are about to meet Him or not. Trust me, they'll know what you mean. I have had so many tremendous personal experiences at that time in a person's life. Don't you miss out on it by being afraid to say something. It's so important There's a tremendous difference between someone who dies without Christ and someone who dies in Christ. It's so much easier to do a funeral of a Christian than it is of a non-Christian. Death will give us an opportunity to point people toward God. Our memory verse, Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To die is gain. Where does that come from? Because that's the way it is. If I'm in Christ and I die... It's gain for me. I'm in heaven. Go. Here we go. Can't wait. Ready to run. Ready to fly. Ready to see it happen. Let's go. Let's go. When somebody passes away, who's in Christ, they gain. And they gain all of heaven. They gain all of eternity. Christianity is not only the best way to live, it's the best way to die. But the great news about being in Christ is that death is not final. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 there. Last verse in your in your outline. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is... The, 
is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. How we thank God who gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord. Underline that phrase. Gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord. We've got victory over death. Death has no sting on us. Death will come, but there won't be a sting accompanied with its coming. And we'll simply pass from this life to the next life. And we can shout and say, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Let's bow our heads and pray together as a church. Heavenly Father, I pray a prayer of comfort for those who are in our midst today who are dealing with grief. I pray, God, that you will be near to those who are mourning today. I pray that you will give a special touch today, that you'll give them power today, that you will take these principles from your word and you'll put them deep in their hearts so that they will have something to hold on to. I pray today that they would be unshakable. God, we go through Psalm 23 so often as a source of comfort But I just want to thank you that it says, even though we walk through the dark valley of death, we only really go through the shadow of the valley of death. We don't have to be afraid. You're close. You're close beside us. And as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort us. So God, today... Can you do that for those who need it? And I want to thank you ahead of time. And Father, perhaps there's someone in this room today that's drifted. They need to come back. Maybe there's somebody in this room that's never named you as their Savior. Today would be a great day. But Father, when we come to you, asking you, seeking you, Will you provide that forgiveness from sin that we need so desperately? Would you take the anxieties of life away and give us a new purpose? Can we thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for us? And that through the power of your resurrection, death is not final. So Jesus, today I believe in you and I I place my faith in you. I am a follower of yours. And so, Father, our strength, our need rests on the powerful name of Jesus who can increase that faith from start to finish in the power of His name. And we pray it in that name, in Jesus. Amen.